Welcome back, everyone, to the Indigenous Nutritionist Podcast. It's a rainy, romantic Saturday night in Paris, because if I did not mention before, that is where I live now. (laughs) Oh, a lot has changed. And um, I will get to the reason why I'm in Paris in just one moment, because my special guest is my husband, Vinod. Welcome, Vinod. Hi, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) He is so cute. Um, you notice the reason I have moved to Paris. I am a Parisian in training, right? Is that exactly. what you'd say? New York City trained, and now I'm being retrained. I love my mornings in Paris. Okay, so Vinod is not a dietitian. He is not a chef. He is not a entrepreneur. But the great thing about owning your own little brand and your one-woman show is that you can pivot and do what you want. Pivot friends that's remember that episode you know friends yes. pivot okay but we, we definitely will talk about food because he is a food lover exactly. loves food loves to eat you i always thought when i watch you eat you'd be really good in a commercial because you can really see how much you're enjoying food and sometimes you can see how much you're not enjoying some food too <laughs> it's all written on your face okay so i am going to let you speak we know tell the little Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm a 31-year-old data analyst, um, French, obviously, with Indian roots because my parents were born in India and they came in the, into, in the early 80s in France. All right. So that probably explains a little bit of um, when you speak English, you do have an accent, just like when I speak French, I have an accent. But your friends always, you know, they kind of laugh because they can, they, even the French people here, will pick up that that's not a real true French accent. So the reason why is because of your Indian roots as well. Exactly. When you grew up, did your mom's or parents, I, I, did your mom and dad speak French to you or? Well, they were speaking French with me in general, but when they wanted to scold me in front of everyone, they were speaking in Telugu so that no one could understand. Okay, so Telugu. Tell listeners, you know, what is Telugu? Where does Telugu come from? Well, um, so my parents come from a state in India called uh, Andhra Pradesh. Andhra Pradesh. Andhra Pradesh. So um, it's in the east of India, and this mm-hmm. is the language of the state is Telugu. Is Telugu. Yeah. So you don't speak Hindi, right? Not at all. Okay, and your dad is from Pondicherry, correct? Yes, my dad was born in Pondicherry. Which I've been to Pondicherry before. And the main reason I wanted to go to Pondicherry is because it was settled by the French. Exactly. Right, yeah. So that's cool. Connection before we even met, right? Yeah. Okay, so you grew up in France, though. Yes. And where in France did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Burgundy. In Burgundy. I was born in, like, in the southeast of Paris, and then my parents, they moved to Burgundy. Okay. All right, so, 
and it, do you think it's funny that I'm asking you these questions? Because obviously I know the answers, right? Yeah. Welcome to a, <laughs> welcome to a podcast. Uh, not only have I done my research, but I'm living, I'm living it. So you grew up in Burgundy in a very small town called Mijen. Exactly. In small town Burgundy. When you went to school, like uh, the first time, was it was it kindergarten or what's the first you know, nursery uh, school? The, the equivalent of kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. And you spoke French then? Yes. Okay. But you told me once that your brother did not. You have an older brother, a couple of years older than you, mm-hmm. right? Sanjay. Yes. Yes. And he did not speak French when he went to school, right? No. Okay. Because my mom, um, when she came to France, didn't know how to speak French. I can relate. So when she had my, when she had Sanjay, that she couldn't speak French to him. So the only, she started speaking French when Sanjay started speaking French and when she had some French lesson, then this is how she started mm-hmm. speaking French. And also as my dad also knew how to speak French because he was working in France. Right. Then this is how she started also speaking French. Okay. But you can see like when you were talking to my parents mm-hmm. that they had they still have this Indian accent when they speak French. Yes, yes. I can hear it very clearly and I love it. It's a little bit different. You don't hear that much, right? Um, so your mom and dad moved here in 1980. In the early 80s. Early 80s. And they moved to small town Mijen where you, after you were born. Yes. And how did your brother learn English? Well, in France, you start um, learning English when you're in seventh grade. So it's around when you're, you're 11 years old. I'm sorry. I'm going to back up. I meant, when did he, how did he learn French? <laughs> oh. Well, Franklish. That's my, well, my brain. I think like when he started going to school, like he was in an environment when everyone was speaking French. And I guess that um, kids, especially at this young age, they really learn fast. I know that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, I'm learning French now, and I, and I remember when I was living in Germany, and I was an au pair, and I was teaching the kids English, and they caught on so quickly, and I know we have some friends here that are, are American, but their kids are learning French in school, um, so mainly your brother just learned French right in, in the school. Yeah. No, le- no, like, particular French lessons, he just was surrounded by it. Yeah. So he probably helped your mom learn French, too. Yes, Big I motivation. Think so. Cool. And then you just, you're really good at languages. I think it's in your family. You speak French, you speak English, you speak some Spanish, Italian, and Telugu, right? Yes. Wow. Wow. I wish I could be fluent, more fluent in Spanish and Italian, but it will come. Yeah, it will come. Um, I don't mean to make this all about a language (laughs) episode, but I do find languages fascinating and, of course, uh, very difficult to learn, but... Also, I think when you have a mindset of like, okay, this is exciting, I'm learning a new language, it does make it a bit easier. All right, now onto the fun part, the more fun part, I should say, um, food. So your parents are from India. Yes. Very spicy food. Yes. And they moved to France. Yeah. Very not spicy food. I know you hear me talk about like 
why, why is the food not spicy here? Because I like spicy food. But in the French food culture, it's not traditionally known to have very much spice. No. Right. So when you were young, like uh, let's say before you got into high school and your, your mom was cooking at home, right? Because your yes. mom was the one that cooked most times. Was, was it mostly Indian food? Um, she was cooking Indian food, but I was very difficult with what I was eating. Imagine when I say that. difficult, like I wasn't eating a lot of vegetables. I was eating most of very simple things like pasta, yeah. sandwiches or fries or fried things. Mm-hmm. But like it was very hard for me like to eat uh, vegetables, I think. I don't maybe because um the way it was my mom used to cook that this thing were not I didn't like it mm-hmm. at that time and when I look at me now I'm thinking well I was very stupid because my mom cooks very well yeah your mom's a really good cook so I mean that's typical though kids I think go through time where they just you know want carbs or pasta or one simple thing. But did your mom ever force you to have vegetables or anything like that? Did she, was it, or did she not make a big deal out of it? She never, she never told me you have to eat vegetables because it's good for you. She was just saying you have to eat something. Interesting. And do you eat vegetables now as an adult? Oh, yeah. A lot of vegetables. You definitely do. One of the things we love to do is go to the market on Sundays, right? Yeah. Get all those vegetables. Um, Which, what is the name of the market we go to here in Paris? I don't even know. Marché Monge. Marché Monge. Marché Monge. Did I pass? Which is in the fifth round this month. Yes. All right. All right, so you grew up, you're kind of just a difficult kid. Your mom does make really good food. She's made, ever since, since I've been here, dosa, um, chana masala, birani. What else has she made? Butter chicken. She made, she made us butter Italy? chicken. Did she make it? She hasn't made me Italy yet. Italy, tell the listeners what Italy is and how do you spell Italy? So, Italy, um, so you spell it I D L I. No, it's a spelling test. <laughs> and it's like made by um with rice flour that you turn into uh, some kind of batter mm-hmm. and then this batter you steam it and yeah. then became it becomes idli. Yeah, it's so good. It's really good. Nourishing too as well. Yes. Because there is the proteins in rice. Um okay, so your mom was making Indian food mostly though and she makes a lot of Indian food right now because I know your dad loves, yes. <laughs> loves spicy Indian food but when was it that you did start to really branch out and eat other things more variety of foods I think there was two different moments the first one is when I started going to high school because before going to high school I was coming home for every lunch mm-hmm. and then when I started going to high school I was eating at the cafeteria yeah so I didn't have to I couldn't choose what I wanted so I had just to deal with it and eat it so I think this was the first thing because also this is how I um, 
discovered like like new vegetables like new way of eating mm-hmm. so i think this is the first part and the second part is when i left home at 17 when i had to when i had my first apartment and i had to cook for myself and god it wasn't that good when i was <laughs> cooking but this is also how you discover yeah new ways of cooking when you're going to restaurant like when you're going to see friends and mm-hmm. and I think also that with the time and experience I opened up my mind and also accepted discovering new ways of eating yeah definitely definitely like I think can you tell if you remember back in high school like what was a, a typical meal in the cafeteria at your high school well you have um, as a starter, you can you will have like maybe uh, hard boiled eggs, okay, or maybe um like um carrots. You had great carrots, yeah. Or uh, you will have like some kind of salad, or you can have some cold cut ham also. Mm-hmm. Like as after as a main dish, you will have maybe uh, rice or potato or veggies also yeah. coming and with the meat okay okay it could be also fries sometimes or different things and as a dessert you will have like maybe yogurt or you can have some kind of pastry sometimes some cakes mm-hmm. but basically it's quite balanced so you would have a starter you would have your meal and then you would have your dessert yeah, I was in and, the high uh, school and bread also and some bread. Yes, yeah. the bread is and milk. also like the, sometimes, as a, you could choose, dessert or cheese or cheese, which I, is I was trying super to, important, and I was I'm trying learning. to have both of them. <laughs> I am not surprised, but I I was definitely I mean, hungry for sure, but also uh, as a teenager, I, I was eating a lot. Yeah. Especially as I was also uh, practicing a lot of sports. Yeah, so. yeah. we'll definitely talk about your sports. Uh, but to, when I hear you talk about what you ate for, for a meal mm-hmm. in the small town in Burgundy, France, um, yes, it definitely sounds well balanced. But the idea of having a starter, a main, and a dessert, or maybe like cheese and dessert... It to me, and now that I live here, it sounds very typical French. Is that like just super common? Like all while you were growing up, that's how people ate a starter, or was this just when you were at a cafeteria or going out to eat? Because I see it on menus a lot, but it's not like we always eat like that at home. No, like we don't always have a starter, mm-hmm. but we definitely have like the main dish for sure. But also, um cheese and dessert like mm-hmm. this is yeah typical french and also as this time of lunch is definitely a time that of course we're uh, having food and we're getting some energy in our bodies but it's also a time where w- when we talk to our friends and we share this moment together yeah lunch is really important that's something i saw when i would go out um everyone would be 
out in the restaurants at lunchtime, you know, on their break from work. And I, I, I thought, wow, this is a much more important meal than it is back in the U.S., whether it's because work, people are working through lunch or it's just, you know, dinner time tends to be the bigger meal. Um, but now, like in present day, you're working as a consultant for a company here in, in France, in Paris. Do you, how long is your lunch time? Well, um, the lunch time is, we have one, at least one hour. Mm-hmm. Some, some people take less, mm-hmm. some people take more, mm-hmm. but we have like one hour. Like I know that we go to the cafeteria around noon mm-hmm. and we come back after lunch and the coffee that we come back around one thirty, something like this. Okay. So like it's like one break of one hour and thirty minutes. Oh, that's great! I do remember over the summer you had sometimes you would have a cup two hours for lunch. Whether you would take it or not, you just knew you at least had that time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned coffee. Yeah. So you'd have your lunch and then you'd have your little coffee break. Yeah. And then you'll go back to work. So yeah. lunch is a big deal. Um, I don't know if it's like that all over Europe. I remember in Spain, seeing it was a big deal as well. But it's also, you said something else very important. What I have seen and also read about the French food culture is it's your, a time to speak with your friends. And mm-hmm. I, I see with you, like you do get close with your colleagues and you guys might eat together and it's a friendly atmosphere. So it's not just a fixation on, I got to eat and then get back to work. No. Yeah. Not at all. At least as as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, this lunch time is also time to. We're trying, not to talk about work during <laughs> this during this lunch break. Right. This is not like, r- rule. Let's say that sometimes it happens, but most of the time we're trying just to talk about like what we've been doing today, or what sort of different projects, or what happened like in the. Maybe like in Paris, like for the day to day life. In the news, yeah. what's going on in the World Cup? Exactly. <laughs> okay, um, just to change, change directions a little bit. When we lived, so we lived in New York, and let the listeners know for a bit of time. You, you, our, our story is. I don't know if we want to get into that, but our, we met in Spain. We met on Bumble. Shout out, not sponsored by Bumble, but. <laughs> um, and then it progressed quite quickly. We moved in together uh, yeah. in April. We got married in June, moved to Paris the end of June, beginning of July. Mm-hmm. But in that little time we had in, in New York City, I know what you said to me a few times about some of the food, but I want you to tell the listeners, particularly about that time. Um, there's this dish that we know it makes, uh, you make, called eggplant caviar, similar to baba ganoush, I would say, yeah. but more lemon, more garlic, and traditionally we would have it warm. There's something you said about the eggplants one time. What did you say? Mm, I said that the eggplant tasted sweeter in the U.S. than in France. And my reaction was, what? Because to me, I thought, like, okay, you can say, like, the the pastries taste sweeter or the cakes taste sweeter but to me I thought how can like a vegetable taste sweeter 
but you did notice it. Was there any other distinctions you noticed from the, the food or the food culture or lifestyle culture in France versus the U.S. or New York? You know, I know you've been to some other states that you pop out in your mind right now. Yeah, I think um, New York City is is looking. I don't know if if it's still now, but I think they were looking for more convenience than in Paris. And I could say, for example, like everything is made in New York that not losing time. Like what <laughs> I, rem- I I remember <laughs> that one example I have in mind is when you go to grocery store to Trader Joe's for yeah. example oh, we miss Trader Joe's and <laughs> we do <laughs> we miss those remember those chips they were like coconut flour chips yeah. we get with their guacamole yeah and everything is made so that you don't lose time for example that when you just finish your grocery and you're going to the cashier that he's doing everything and then he's also putting your your groceries in the bags for you and then after you can go. This is something that no one, that will never happen in France. I know. I know I've noticed that. But I miss a little I miss Trader Joe's. But but we're not you're not or I say you're not saying that's it's just an observation. You're not saying yeah. it's bad or good or wrong, yeah. right? It's an observation. And the the eggplant is another, you know, observation you made. And of course we can go on and on like the price of wine. Of I mean, I think Paris is more of a expensive city for for European cities, but the wine is always cheap, right? Oh yeah, the wine. <laughs> I was always um mad or like shocked when I when we were in New York, when I saw the price of the wine glasses in in a restaurant or in a bar or even the prices of the wine bottles. The, at the liquor shop when you know that you can find very good wines and decent wine for less than 10 euros in France mm-hmm. I know it is crazy but also the tipping I mean now that I'm living here it's I feel a lot it, it actually takes some stress away and I think on both ends because to be able to go sit at a cafe order you know a tea or a glass of wine and you can sit there and read a book and they're not upset they're not rushing you out um they make a livable wage they're okay yeah you know, when i say they i'm talking about the waiters and the waitresses yeah in the u.s people work for their tips and i've bartended and waitressed before and you go in there and you work long shifts and you do very well um, but at the end of the day, you're just kind of, you get almost just overthinking about, oh, did they tip me? What is the tip? What's the tip? You know, because you get really low wage. So you're looking, you know, you're going for those tips. But here, you know, they make a livable wage. So I think they don't care if you stay there for three hours or whatnot. They're not trying to rush you out. At the same time, that dining scene of not trying to rush you out, people get to take longer to eat and they get to um, enjoy their meal more and talk with their you know, friends or family or whoever they're having a dinner with or colleagues or whatnot. Um, and when I, you know, as a dietitian, I look at the health aspect of things, 
And you see that, and they've actually done studies that the French take a longer time to eat less, uh, to eat, but actually eat less than what someone in the U.S. would do. Like when they get 20 minutes to eat, they're eating maybe really quickly and don't realize how full they get. But here, you guys will have a longer time to eat, but eat less. That's what some studies have shown, and it kind of makes sense, too, at times. And um, going back to like things you might have noticed about different food culture, lifestyle culture uh, in New York versus Paris or versus France or whatnot, is there anything else you would like to add to that? Well, in my mind also, I think we're also this pleasure of eating and not only taste twice but also like the different playing with the different textures also sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes it could be a, a crispiness it could be very soft it could be like we like also playing with this different texture that like not only having this taste feeling but also playing with all our senses that's interesting because I, I do remember you bringing that up a while back and I remember you would, when we make a salad, let's say it would be very simple greens and you'd put sunflower seeds in it because we wanted the crunch with uh, the salad. And you've done it a couple of times and I remember I had another guest on this podcast um, from the south of France and she mentioned that in the schools they would teach the children the same thing about the senses of eating, the senses of food. So it's interesting to hear you say that now. Because, you know, I hear it from dietitians uh, locally, if mm-hmm. you will. Look at that. <laughs> um, all right. To wrap this up, because I could talk about food with you for forever. And we're actually uh, making some dinner right now. Do you want to tell our guests, our listeners, what we're making for dinner? Oh, very simple things like potato, baked potatoes mm-hmm. in the oven with um string beans yes string beans haricot garlic haricot vert. vert did i say it right uh, haricot vert haricot vert yeah i'm getting there and with some uh veal escalope veal escalope which is like um similar to milanese yeah yeah the meat <laughs> very very meat and potatoes mm-hmm. um very simple we might have some cheese after right yeah we had a, I think that would be a good idea. We actually don't have any wine here, but that's all right. Um, okay, so to wrap this up, oftentimes I ask my guests, um, I ask them about a typical breakfast from France. I mean, I could answer that question now, but I'm going to let you answer that. I'm not going to butt in. And then I ask my guests to leave our listeners with some words of wisdom. So first, what would be a typical Maybe not what you would have, but a typical breakfast in France. A petit déjeuner. Well, a typical breakfast in France would be um, a beverage. Could be coffee or tea or hot chocolate um, with the juice, like most of the time orange juice um, and like a couple of tartines of bread with butter and jam. So that would be just a And tartine being what? What is a tartine? A tartine is um, bread where you spread butter mm-hmm. on it. And you can also spread jam if you want. Right, 
So yes, this would be just a small thing. So it would be like quite a small breakfast, but also because the main um, meal of the day would be the lunch. Right. So I think that's a a really good different. I'm glad that you said that because sometimes I might get questions like, should I have a bigger breakfast? Should I have a bigger lunch? But once you know, you see articles written about it, and it's like, well, in France, because you typically have a small breakfast you're hungrier at lunch. But in some other cultures, breakfast might be more important and mm. maybe lunch is a little bit less important. And it, and it equals out. There's no right or wrong to it. No. You know, it's just culturally speaking. Yes, and I think also, um, well, when you have breakfast, you will have breakfast around maybe 7.38, like because after your breakfast, you will go to the office. And then after, like, between the moment when you will have your breakfast and your lunch, there will be, like, maybe, like, let's say four hours, mm-hmm. right? But be- between your lunch and your dinner, then there will be, like, maybe six or seven hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, this is, I think, one of the reasons why the main meal mm-hmm. is, the, so is the lunch. And then maybe you will have a little snack. Oh, so you're saying to hold you over because mm. of the French don't typically snack. Mm. I think in, in growing up, you had the um, déjeuner. déjeuner yeah? Yeah. After school, the kids would have something. But typically, yeah, snacking is not a thing of France. No, I, it's funny no. because before I met my husband, you dear, I was really interested in the French food culture. I still am. You know, I, the, there's a study... Um, I, if it's something about the ecology of eating uh, by Posen, Posen, I, Ro, Rosen, Rosen, Paul Rosen, yeah. I believe, yes. <laughs> I didn't think of this, the, his name. And it was looking at the French food culture versus the U.S., but it didn't just look at food. It also looked at things like dish detergent, or laundry detergent, rather. And they found that when you buy a huge thing of laundry detergent, you actually use more than you would if you bought a small one. So it looked at portion, portion sizes. This was an older study, of course, things have changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I also know that they talked about snacking. Um, here in France, snacking is just not a big thing at all. Mm-hmm. But of course, there are some people that might be snacking a little bit more if mm-hmm. they're athletes or pregnant women, whatever the case might be. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I see that as well. Okay, so, oh, one other thing, you know, you talked about the typical French breakfast. Two other things. One is something I read about before I met you was that in the morning, you would have maybe like a, almost like a bowl of coffee or, or cappuccino or latte mm. or whatnot. And you might have, let's say if it was a bread, um, whether baguette or croissant, let's say it was a baguette left over from the day before, you would dip it in the coffee. And I remember, I actually think I spoke with a French person when I was here, and they told me that, and I thought, ooh, that sounds good. And then fast forward, we meet, and we're at a cafe, and I see you dip your croissant in your latte. And I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm seeing it live. Now, is that like a Vinod thing, or is that really a French yeah. thing? Because I do it. I love it. It was, just... in, it was in New York it in was November. In New York. Yeah, right? Right in the West Village. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, people do that in France, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have seen some other people do it since, but if you haven't, it's such a simple pleasure. If you, and I guess it could be tea as well, right? But if you have like a cappuccino or a latte and you have a croissant, croissant mm-hmm. and you just dip it in the latte yeah. and or cappuccino or coffee or whatnot and take a bite, it's so good. Yeah, and like maybe some people won't do this, but like, yeah, no one will look at you like, in some weird ways if you do this <laughs> weird yeah. weird ways you're so <laughs> I love it so cute um, and the other thing I was going to say is when you mentioned you might have a coffee or hot chocolate and then juice and then bread some people right now might be listening and being like what like that's carbon carbon carb and you know in the US sometimes carbs get a really bad rap well actually I should scratch that statement and say globally sometimes they get a bad rap right but when you look at it, when I just mentioned, you know, that study about portions too, mm-hmm. it's not going to be like a huge glass of juice and a big thing of, mm-hmm. uh, it, you're kind of just kind of introducing a little bit of food into your morning. And again, like you said, lunch would be the bigger meal. But also too, when we look at what is known as the quote unquote French paradox, I think it's wrong almost, if I can say that word, to look at just what people are eating also look at how people are eating how people are living and one thing and we talk about this a lot i think is also part of this paradox is the fact that the healthcare system here health insurance system here is much better than it is in the u.s and i know when i moved here it was almost like i had trauma from my health insurance <laughs> experience at times in the u.s um, but even paying out of pocket for some things here was much less expensive than back home. And you get the sense of like, oh, I'm taken care of. And this like basic need of health care, you're really taken care of. So would you agree that maybe that could be part of this quote unquote French paradox? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you might have heard me say this word before. It's like, they say, oh, the French smoke, and they eat fatty cheese, and they eat this and that, but they still have less heart attacks. Well, less stress, too, uh, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, smoking's not healthy, and, like, of course, eating too much of anything isn't the greatest thing, but they forget to look at something as, like, what about their healthcare system, right? Mm, absolutely. I mean, as a French man and... I can see the other French people and when it comes to food or like the way of living, people are not stressed about like the way they eat. Yeah, and they don't know what else I've noticed? They don't fixate on things. In America, what? Why is it? I want one of our listeners to chime in. We do fixate. I do sometimes compared to you. In France here, you guys are kind of like, whatever. It's okay. What happened? Don't what? think about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Love that attitude. Okay. That wrapped up breakfast. And last but not least, some wise words of wisdom. I think you are very wise, we know. Oh, thank you. I know. You are a very special person in my heart, but just, yeah. Thanks, Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what do you have? And it could be food-wise health-wise, whatever, I'm going to leave this one up to you. What would you tell our listeners today? I was, 
if I take my life experience, cooking and like, I enjoyed cooking when I started having more space and maybe better equipment that made my life much simpler when it comes to cooking. And you can eat very well just by doing very simple things like just baking vegetables, seasoning salt, pepper, olive oil, and then putting baking them in, into an oven. That it's a very simple way of eating vegetables. And the most important, I think, is very yeah, enjoying that what you eat. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, just in order to eat well, you don't have to get out a recipe book. Um, of course, if you have no skills with, with cooking, it might not be a bad idea. But by throwing some vegetables on a baking pan and roasting with olive oil, poof. And there are some vegetables, like this is the first time I've been cooking them mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to cook them and what what I just did how to cook the <laughs> veggie on Google and they say okay let's do this 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 yeah this. yeah I mean definitely Google can be very help helpful in that way and I think like now everyone has access to this information mm-hmm. and like how to cook not necessarily like give me a recipe for but how to cook that you know turn the the stove on medium boil to this and then you kind of know it and then it's poof and then you can build on it from there i think when you get down to just you use the word sim- simple make it very simple i think that's great advice those are very wise words of like, wise words of wisdom <laughs> like if you want like an example like kelly you know this i really love potatoes <laughs> you do i really and love cheese. potatoes so then, the thing I wanted to like learn how to cook them like so that I can enjoy it when I want that how to cook potatoes. Yeah. And there's many I mean you can boil them, you can roast them, you can yeah. steam them. Um but like starting with the basics. Yeah. You know. It's like learning pilates as I'm also a pilates teacher. I don't put people on machine and have them do like the jackknife, you know, uh or some advanced work, you start with basics. And you go back to basics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can you tell the listeners everything you just said, but this time in your native language, in French? Pour cuisiner, j'ai commencé à apprécier à cuisiner à partir du moment où j'ai eu plus de place, de meilleurs équipements, Rien qu'avec ça, déjà, ça m'a rendu la vie beaucoup plus facile. Et cuisiner, en fait, c'est des fois pas si compliqué que ça. Il suffit juste, par exemple, pour des légumes, pour en termes d'assaisonnement, vous pouvez juste mettre un peu de sel, un peu de poivre, un peu d'huile d'olive et les faire cuire au four pendant une vingtaine de minutes. Et vous aurez des légumes qui seront tout à fait... Bon, et en fait, je pense que vous apprécierez même manger ces légumes et vous serez même surpris du goût de ces légumes. It's like music to my ears. Thank you, Benoît. That was beautiful. All right.
right. Good chat. This is fun. We should do it again. Yes. <laughs> Did it? Do you feel like I was interviewing you? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, good. No. All right. Well, we should check on the potatoes. Speaking of, um, and thank you very much. My pleasure. All right, bizu bizu, everyone. <laughs> Until next time. All right, you guys. The final wrap up. I promise. I know sometimes when I'm talking, I'm like, "All right, let's wrap this up," and it's just too good. You got to keep going, you know. Um, that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this. A couple updates, or not really update. A couple things to note. One, I don't know who my next guest will be. So if you're listening to this and you're a dietitian or an RD to be, a chef. An entrepreneur in the food and nutrition space, and you want to be on my show, please contact me. I'll leave my website and my LinkedIn in the show notes, and I'd love to have you on wherever you are in the world. Another thing, and this is a fun fact about Vinod, is he's actually an avid table tennis player. In the US, we might say ping pong player, but I didn't realize how serious the game was.、Um, I think, of course, I grew up in New England. I played field hockey, which field hockey is not very well known all across the U.S. But here in France, you know, ping pong, I think, does have more of a presence. Definitely, soccer, sorry, foosball, football, has more of a presence than it does back in the U.S. But Vinod played table tennis all while growing up. So did his brother and his dad. He played in tournaments, and he still practices and plays in tournaments to this day. Of course, a lot more for fun、um, than I think before. It was a lot more about competition, and he did make some money. So I just want to say shout out to all of the table tennis players out there. All right, so have a good day. Au revoir. Ciao.